Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When we think about building a brand, not all businesses are for everyone. So how do you really think about who are you actually talking to? Because I think that only helps you connect on a deeper level. So it really goes a long way to really speaking to who you're trying to serve. When we think about beauty, it's just a large market. And when we started doing research, Latinas overspend in beauty in every single category. In perfume, in body care, in makeup, in hair care, Latinas are spending the money. And when we found that out, we're like, okay, something's wrong here. And from my marketing and advertising agency, well, these brands are also when they're doing these beauty campaigns, nobody on the team looks like the people that are buying the products. With that context and Joanna's love for beauty and our realization of, I think we can do something here. That's really how Viva was born. Looking at, is there a necessity in the community and can we do something about it? You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You are a legend in the entrepreneurial space. So get ready, girl, because I'm going to be picking your brain today. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. No, I'm so happy to be here. I'm just excited to chat and connect a little bit differently today. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Leslie Valdivia. I am a Mexican-American first-gen entrepreneur. Myself with my co-founder, Joanna, we created Viva Cosmetics. It's a Latina-founded and led culture-conscious beauty brand, making products for the community, for Latinas, for mujeres that felt unseen and underserved, really, by the beauty industry at large. And we launched this brand back in 2017, which is wild, which is you know, we're going on to seven years next year, I believe. So it's been a wild journey being first-gen entrepreneur on this crazy ride of owning a business and building a brand. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's incredible. First off, the fact that your business is still in business in seven years is a huge deal because most businesses fail within the first three years. So congratulations to you for building something that is clearly sustainable, clearly has an audience and I love the fact that y'all are like so unapologetically Latina in your approach too, because I think there's a lot of folks who, when they're thinking about starting a business, they think that by taking that approach, you isolate. Whereas I feel like both of us have experienced that, like the more you lean into exactly who you're trying to target, the more successful you will be. Yeah, no, I agree. And when we think about building a brand, it's all, not all businesses are for everyone, right? So how do you really think about like, who are you actually talking to? Because I think that only helps you connect on a deeper level. So it really goes a long way and to really speaking to who you're trying to serve, really. Yeah. Okay. So was this always part of the vision? Were you always out here just trying to be a boss babe? Or like, what was the original goal? (laughs) No, it never, honestly, you know, if you would ask me like college, Leslie, or like high school, Leslie, like, oh, you know, did you ever want to start a company? And I would have said, absolutely not. Again, I went, I was the first in my family to go to college and graduate from college. And I studied communication studies and marketing and advertising. So I was working at a agency in Sacramento with where I'm currently at right now. And just looking at the space and just really realizing, wow, it's really not that diverse diverse here at all. And Joanna and I, we had been um, connect. Joanna and I, my co-founder actually met through our husbands. So we formed a connection there and she loved beauty. And I immediately noticed that because I love beauty. And in this conversation of Joanna being all about beauty and I love beauty and my marketing and advertising campaign, we kind of came to the realization like, how do we come together to do something that's different? And in my context, I was like, when we think about beauty, it's just a large market. And when we started doing research, Latinas overspend in beauty in every single category, right? So 
in perfume and body care and makeup and hair care, like Latinas are spending the money. And when we looked and we like found that out, we're like, okay, like something's wrong here. And from my marketing and advertising agency of like, well, these brands are also when they're doing these campaigns for their beauty campaigns, like nobody on the team looks like the people that are buying the products. Right. And I knew that because and I'm working at, you know, an agency that works with big brands making campaigns and like, I'm the only Latina in the room trying to target Latinos, you know? So with that context and Joanna's love for beauty and like our realization of like, I think we can do something here. That's really how Viva was born. And really, again, just like looking at like, is there a necessity in the community and can we do something about it? So and that came years of realization of, you know, Joanna having her career. She's also a business owner in her own right. And me and my career in advertising agency, and it just evolved to ask the question of like, can we do something here? And what does that look like? And it led to the creation of Viva. Wow. Okay. So many questions. First off, I think all of us can say we're out here in the world. We're noticing that like maybe there's a gap in the market or you're a fan of like a certain industry and you're just like, well, why isn't anybody doing this? And most people don't take action on it. So what is it about you and Joanna that we're like, yeah, I'm, we're just going to create our own brand. Like no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. And I I never really thought about it, actually, when you think about it. You know what? I think one of the things that fueled Juan and I, and I'll tell you a little quick story. So in the process of like ideating about Vive, Joanna and I were at a conference. It was called Blog Her which was in Los Angeles. You may have, you yeah, know, I've been to Blogger too. Sure. Yeah, it's iconic. You've been at Blogger. Yeah, it is iconic. And this was years ago. Again, this was like 2016. So Joanna and I were both at Blogger. And again, we're just there like trying to like network and just meet other women. Nothing to do with Vivi. We were just there in that space at that time. And there's a pitch competition. And we remember there was these pitches from these women that were pitching their businesses that really spoke to a need in their community. And I remember one exactly that there was a a Muslim woman and she was pitching her company for fashionable clothing that Muslim women can wear. And I was like, that is incredible. The fact that she's like, this is something wrong with my community and I'm going to do something about it because I feel like it's missing. And like that immediately like click something and like feel something in us. And it's like, okay, if they're up here pitching their companies, in this stage full of other women, why can't we do it too? So, and like, I think that like started like, okay, maybe we should take ourselves seriously and like move forward with it. So like, that was for us like a joint moment of inspiration. And for me personally, before in my, I've had a lot of jobs. So like before even like my marketing and advertising agency days, I actually used to work at a nonprofit reaching and targeting Spanish speaking communities and immigrant communities. And one of the number one things that I always notice is that immigrant communities, Latino, Spanish speaking communities are always going to make businesses no matter what. Like they don't speak the language. They may not have documentation. They have extremely limited resources, but they're all, we're all trying to make something happen. And I sat there and from working in in like that nonprofit space, I've really came to a place of gratitude and realizing I have all the resources and privileges in the world to do something that I'm, I really care about. And that is speaking English, having American citizenship, having a college education, having access to people and networks and like how do I use that to my full potential and that led me again into this like okay let's do something different that maybe people are afraid to do but realizing those privileges and gratitude like kind of propelled me 
personally to move forward with Vida. Mm, I love that you frame the privileges that we're born with as first gen kids, like as such, because it really is right. It's easy for us to be in like a victim mentality of like, oh, you know, I come from nothing. I come from the hood. Like my parents didn't give me nothing. But I'm like, honey, you know how much stuff you can do with a social security number? Like, come on. Like, let's talk about what access we have just like with those basic privileges, like you mentioned. So I love that reframing of it. I'm curious. Do you have entrepreneurship in your family? Like, do you have people who have started businesses because out of necessity? My mom works, she's a cleans rooms at a hospital and my dad works in the agriculture space in grapes. Like I live in the central Valley. Like I come from working class people. My parents are still working, but that was our story when we arrived to the United States. But in Mexico, my dad used to have a mechanic shop and he used to fix cars. Like my grandma had a business where she served cena, like dinner, because my grandma was a single mom with 11 kids. So she put all the kids to work and serve food in the evenings out of her house. So like, there's a lot of entrepreneur spirit within my family in their homeland, not so much here in the United States. So for the longest time, I would say no, my parents, you know, they're just hard workers, they have jobs. But when I really Think about my grandma and my other ancestors. It's like, yeah, they definitely had the entrepreneur spirit where they made it happen, really. Yeah, it's in your genes. You couldn't fight it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I really think so. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> okay, so take us behind the scenes of those first couple of days when y'all are like plotting how you're going to take over the beauty world. Like, how does this actually come to fruition? You know, like, what are some of those initial decisions that you had to make to actually make this happen? I think one of the number one thing is money. We're like, we need money. And John and I were like, you know, 23, 25 years old and like early to mid 20s. And we're like, yeah, we don't really have that much money <laughs> or savings. And we're young professionals. So I think one of the things is figuring out where we're going to get funding. And fortunately for me being in the nonprofit space, helping communities, disadvantaged communities, I knew we could actually apply to get a loan. And I think that was facilitated because I used to work at that place that gave micro loans, again, micro, like small micro loans to underserved communities. So Joanna and I were able to get $10,000 through that. And mind you, I, I want to say like, I'm not saying it takes $10,000 to build a brand that is extremely underfunded. Like, in retrospect, like that is nothing. And we need a lot more to like actually build a brand. But that's really all we can start out with, right? Like, again, this is when we think about entrepreneurs, like there's always a thing where it's like, I quit my job and I'm doing this. And like that journey is actually looks very different for a lot of people. And especially like first gen kids that can't really ask their parents for $20,000 or $25,000 to start their business, right? Like we didn't have that. Joanna grew up, her mom is a single parent. My parents are working class, working in the fields and cleaning rooms. So like we didn't have that option to ask our family and friends to be like, hey, we have a great vision. We have a great idea. Do you want to invest with us? That wasn't the option. So that's what we had to look for funding in other spaces. And I think that's where we have to get creative of like, what are my community resources that I can take advantage of? And that's really how it led us to these very initial $10,000. And for the longest time, Joanna and I also like we been working or had been like Joanna has another business and I was working full time. So we were funding it from our own pockets too. It doesn't stop there. Like 
So all of that. So with that funding, we have some money now, like what is the first thing we're going to do? And that that was investing in a brand, right? Like we just can't put a logo and sell something and like call it a day. We really wanted longevity and something that would really resonate with people, especially Latinas and women. We're like, let's think of a brand and let's invest in that. So that was hiring a graphic designer and thinking about what would be the name and what is the colors and what, how does it feel? So like, most of the $10,000 went to that, like at least half, which is really not that much, right? For like graphic designer work, which is great. And it was a Latina Venezolana from Miami that helped us with our branding, right? We we're very intentional about who we we're going to work with. And the other like 5000 literally went into investing in our lipstick formula, which is our very first product ever launched. And we're like, okay, like that's literally all we have money for, really. Like five lipsticks, same formula, five different colors brand and a website and a logo and we're like okay let's get to it and that's really like simplifying all of that but I think like when we're thinking about starting a business I think a lot of business owners may think like the logo is the last thing you think about or the brand but that's actually one of the first things you should think about because that's really what's going to take you further and differentiate yourself from other businesses trying to do the same thing so Amazing. Okay. So let's dive into the like technical aspect of you developing your first product, right? So I know that it's very common for like influencers and even like major companies to work with like third-party manufacturers that will create a whole formula for you. They'll basically have you test them out, figure out which one you like, and then they'll produce them for you. Is that the approach that you took? Yeah. So we knew we needed to find a lab. Joanna and I are not chemists by any means, and we were not going to mix and match in our kitchen. You know, we wanted to make sure we worked with the facility in a lab that had safety protocols, that is lab tested, all of that quality control stuff. We knew we had no idea about, or like, why are we going to try to recreate the wheel? So the first thing after like investing in a brand and like, okay, next step to formulation like we it was literally google we're like manufacturers that formulate lipsticks like that's literally we're like how do we start this like we literally started from like zero and also joanna and i don't come from beauty industry like joanna comes from personal finances and i'm from the marketing agency side not really related to beauty uh, other topics so like joanna and i context besides being a consumer was very limited so like google at the early days was like our number one friend it was was actually really hard to even get responses from labs because labs usually work with connections. So somebody works at this lab, they'll know somebody at this brand, they make the connection or they'll know the brand and the lab agrees to work with them. Joanna and I kind of started as like nobodies. Like they're like, who are these girls? We're not going to invest or even try to respond back. So it was actually really hard to find a lab in the first place, but we finally found one that would like at least reply to our emails. We're like, okay, something's happening. At least they're responding. Great. And we're like, this must be it. And then we submitted a project brief. So a project brief is saying what you want, right? So what kind of product, what kind of formula, what are the features, what are the qualities, how should it be? So we submitted a project brief that was lipsticks. And really we came down to lipsticks because we did a survey, 100 Latinas. We asked, hey, what are some products you love? One of the number one things that came out was lipsticks. So in even our initial launch, we had that research back data of Latinas and women telling us what they wanted. So that's really how we ended up with lipstick. And we knew that we wanted something long lasting. It's like Latinas love to eat 
as in me, like we love our tacos, our pupusas, all of the things, right? We're like, we want something that's going to look good. It's going to look good at the carne asada, the family gathering, las fiestas. Like we want it to last. So all of that was infused in this project brief. And this lab that finally responded to us, and they're actually based in New Jersey, was able to come up with like a very base formula and be like, okay, do you want this? So there's, after they send it back, there's a lot of back and forth of like, no, we don't like this. Can you change this? They do it. They send back a new sample. It's crumbling too much. Can you change it with this? They send it back. So it's a lot of back and forth, back and forth. After the initial like project brief of what you want, there's still adjustments to be made. And that takes time, months, and even like a year for that to happen. And so you finally can be like, okay, this is a good standard formula. Now we can move on to pigmentation and different colorment developments. So that's how a project usually works. And I hope that answered the question, it but does. it's very lengthy. You're taking me back <laughs> to my process engineering days because I used to work for L'Oreal. I used to work for Johnson & Johnson. I used to go to these third-party manufacturers and watch this stuff and create the processes actually to create lipsticks and sunscreens and all that stuff. So I'm like having a flashback moment. I have an idea of who you're working with in New Jersey because there's only so many contract manufacturers over there. I'm like, it's either one of these because I've been there. <laughs> but that's so funny. It's a small world. It really is. Yeah. And again, like to the point of like, it's actually was really hard to like, get anyone to respond or pay attention to us. And again, that was like, before we started Viva, through the years, we've been able to work with like amazing Latina product dev professionals that are like, that have been VPs of product development at like, big drugstore companies. So like they have connections. So through the years, we've been able to like have more connections and meet people and specifically Latinas are like, Hey, I got you. Like, let me connect you to this manufacturer who does great formulas for X, Y, and Z. And we're like, great, amazing. Thank you. So over the years, our product development process has improved vastly and that's been really exciting. But yeah, no, Google well, we tell people like Google is your best friend when you're starting anything, we promise. And there's no shame in that and learning because there's been a huge learning curve that Joanna and I have gone through since starting the brand. Yeah. Okay. So you do some market research to figure out that you should be launching lipstick products, which I think is brilliant too, right? Because I think a lot of folks will assume that, Hey, I'm just going to come out with a product and like, people are going to love it. Even though I didn't ask anybody about it, if they want it. And technically y'all you're doing it backwards. You want to actually have audience input so that you're making something that people actually care about. Where did you find these 100 Latinas that you decided to poll? And how did you start to generate buzz so that when you did come out with your first product, you already knew it was going to be a success? So I actually, in college, I joined a Latina sorority. So when I graduated, I had access to this network of Latinas all over California. So I sent it out to my sorority link, this link, and said, hi, sorority sisters, I'm Leslie. I'm from Sac State chapter, and I'm doing this. I would love your feedback. Please respond to my survey. And that's literally how it happened. So like a network of women, they're like, yeah. And they're like, this sounds really cool and exciting. They had never heard something like this before. So they had an interest in it as well. And that's literally how we got our like 102 responses. And I was like, wow, honestly, I expected like 30. So the fact that we did get 100, I was like, this is telling of something, right? I think people are excited to see something new in the industry. And then how are you generating buzz along like this journey of getting ready to launch your first product? What are you doing? So in the spirit of Joanna and I going to events, being surrounded with women, like one of the most important events that we've gone through where we talked about Viva and we've generated buzz was We All Grow. So We All Grow Latina, the WAG Summit. Like Joanna and I have been going since the early days of pre-COVID WAG. And like through that network of like 
being there. And like, literally, I remember it was a 2017. It was that year we were going to launch. We launched in May. So I think we were there in March. So we had lipsticks and we're literally just like giving out lipsticks to like Latinas at WAG in the bathroom and like, hey, we're launching this company. And like the next month or so, you should follow us on Instagram. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. They were like, everybody was really friendly and like excited and like welcoming. But we we're just literally like hustling be like, hey, we have lipsticks. This is our new company. Like, try it have it so like being in those spaces really went a long way and also like being again my background in marketing and advertising like I knew we had to be online immediately so we created the Viva page immediately after we had finalized our logo and our branding so we had been posting on this Instagram account for weeks before we even like announced what we were launching and it was really just like sending it to our friends and sharing it be like hi friends like Joanne and I are starting this company it's very latina focused and beauty can you please give it a follow blah 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 so it's literally like making one-on-one connections and also just like sharing it to our family and friends and then like snowballed into like okay there's other people that we don't know following the brand and like that's really exciting so yeah so literally just like networking on the ground and i think that's the thing right like that's the hours at brand building that are not calculated and like how much does it take to launch a business right like talking to people going to these events networking all of that adds up and it's time and money that isn't included in our ten thousand dollars that we initially started but that's definitely sweat equity that is put into creating something so i hope that makes sense (laughs) okay so when people see the overnight success that's all the stuff that nobody has seen it is the years of building those relationships those networks of showing up showing face talking to people making those connections that shit is what sets you up for success and i think that's what you don't see but i i want to know like did y'all take your audience along the journey to that first product launch like were they watching this in real time no you know we no it wasn't again it was very again this is like 2016 Instagram, 2015 Instagram, it wasn't as like open and like, let me take you along my day as it is now. So content style was vastly different. So we never really thought about doing that. Now we do a lot more of it of like, hey, this is like new packaging, what do y'all think? But like now we do more because I think it's also content is more accepted in that way. But back then we did not. So it was literally like we did our survey and like, okay, I think we got some great data. And then we're like, let's build this brand. We worked with the designer and then let's push out this Instagram page. We haven't really launched what we're gonna, we haven't really said what we're gonna launch, but like, let's still push it out. And then it was that underground one-on-one, hey, we're actually, we actually have lipsticks, give it a try. And then it's like, we're launching lipsticks. So That was like literally it. I think Joanne and I always talk about this like retrospectively. I would have loved to take our community behind the scenes of like the realness of like, hey, all the manufacturers are not getting back to us. This is the back end work that it takes. So yeah, so we didn't do that, but I wish we had, but we're trying to do more of that. And I think it's really, really well received. Awesome. Okay. So you launch your first product. How does it go? I can imagine there was hiccups along the way. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Okay, hilarious story. So Joanna and I literally, literally, again, we're like learning as we go. Like yes. this is like scrappy bootstrap, like 101. So we have our WordPress site. We hook up WooCommerce. Like we're all like happy, ready to go. We're doing like a test trial on like the PayPal checkout and PayPal is not working. And at the time we could only check out through PayPal on WooCommerce. Again, this is like years and years ago or like the theme that we had only was compatible with with PayPal. So like while our website was working, you can add stuff to the cart. Like you can't check out, like you can't submit the payment. We're like, oh my God. And this was the day before we were about to launch. So it was like, what are we going to do? We're like, we don't really know any like developers that can be like, hey friend, like, can you like fix your website? Like Joanna and I were literally doing like scrappy stuff and it was like midnight. It was like close to one in the morning. We still couldn't figure it out. We're like looking at YouTube videos. We're like trying to hit up the like WordPress support and like nothing's really happening. And at the time I had my full-time job and I told John, I was like, Hey, I have to go to bed. Like I have to be up for like this really important meeting tomorrow. Uh, I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. We'll tackle it tomorrow. If we have to delay the launch, we will. And she's like, okay. She's like, I'm going to try to keep going at it. I'll see what happens. I go to bed. Like I get a text message like at three in the morning. She's like, I figured it out. She was like two hours plus like trying to code stuff in the back of the website for it to finally work. And I was like, oh my God, it's a miracle. So like the next day we're like, okay, I think we're ready to launch. Like we like tested everything out. We're like, okay, we're moving forward. Actually, we actually delayed the launch for like a couple hours. So we still launched in the day that we said we were just a little bit later. And you know what we made? I will never forget. We made $800 that day which was really a lot of money <laughs> at the time. Lipstick. We're like, oh my, it is. And I was like, that's a lot of lipstick for like us being tiny and like just getting the word out barely. Like people didn't really know like what it was or like what we're about. 
And like, I was like, okay, like, this is something like $800 is like a good sign. That's really like, what kind of motivated us to be like, okay, we have something here. Let's keep going. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I can imagine as you're scaling a business, right, you're still working full time at that point when you launch this business. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually worked full time for two years after that. Girl, how? Please explain because that's the question so many people get. It's like, how the hell do you find the time to do all this stuff? <sighs> that's a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lots of energy drinks. Also, I feel like I had more energy. I was my mid 20s. So in general, like now I'm like, 30s and I'm like I don't have the time I don't have the energy I used to have (laughs) I'm tired I was like how did I do it then I was like I don't even know honestly I think it was just like my younger body just like go 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 and like really like being excited and like yes I have to be at my full-time job but in the evening I would literally work like two hours every day like I'll come home around five-ish and I will be on the computer to like seven, eight, nine sometimes. Thankfully, I had a great boyfriend who was like understanding. He was never like, what are you doing? We don't spend time together. Like he knew like this is the hustle time. I get home. I have to do other things. So I've been lucky to have people that may not understand exactly what I'm doing, but know that it is important to me to not try to stop me and be like, deter me from doing something else. So I honestly think like initially I just had more energy because I was younger and I was just excited. And I'm like, I want to do this. And that's the thing where it's like, I knew if I was going to start a business that it had to be something I was completely in love and passionate about. And I always loved beauty and makeup and community building. So I was happy to come home from work and be like, I'm going to do these things on the side. Like it was never tiring for me. Now, if I would have launched a business now in my 30s, I'll probably need to like think about like my time and my priorities more. But at the time, it was just like, let's go. I love this. So I'm going to do it. You know what? I'm so glad you said that because it was the exact same experience for me too, right? Like I was working full time while building my content creation, blog business, then the podcast. And when people ask me like, how? Like, where did you find the time? And it's like, when you care about something and you're passionate about it, you will find the time. There's plenty of times where like, you know, you will dedicate an absurd amount of time to some shit that nobody else understands. You know, maybe sometimes for people that's like fitness, maybe that's beauty, that's whatever, whatever that passion is like, you will find time if it matters to you. And I always think like that's the best approach for entrepreneurship because you can't be focused on the money as the primary reason because you ain't going to make nothing in the beginning. So like what's going to be the thing that keeps that candle burning? And it's the passion. Yeah, no, that's 100% real. And I think that going in, we're like, money is secondary to like, but what are you trying to do? Yeah. What's the why? bigger than that. Exactly. And like, and that always has to be clear for us to put any effort and time and because it's hard, it's hard out here. And to be real, like I was completely burnt out, I don't know, four years in, right? Like I think like COVID 2020, 2021, even last year, I feel like I've been resting so much more. And I sometimes feel guilty. But I was like, I worked full time job and leave it for more than two years, right? Like, if you put it all together, I'm like, that's a lot of work. And that adds up that really adds up. And it shows up in your body in different ways. And now I'm just like, rest is important. I'm older. (laughs) But and I think it's just like, what are your priorities in life in that time? And like, just ask yourself how to move forward with that and what your options, I guess, and what you want to invest. Your time investment is important. And how does that look like for you? Absolutely. 
Okay, so I can imagine you have that moment where you're like, am I going to keep working full time and doing this on the side? Or like, is it time to take the leap? That's the existential question for a lot of entrepreneurs, like when to make that decision. And how did you know that it was time? Yeah, no, that is a great question. And I, I feel like I had that question a lot in the earlier years of like, when is the time? I definitely knew that Viva had to sustain itself for me to leave my job. Again, at the beginning, Joanne and I were putting money in from our paychecks for my regular jobs, right, to fund Viva. So I knew I needed I needed that full time. And again, that happened about two years in. About year three, I was like, I can't do it any longer. Like Viva is taking more of my time and it's growing. Like I can't do this anymore. So I actually asked to go part time at my job. I was like, hey, I actually have another business that I care about. This is what I do outside of my nine to five. I actually can be working here any full time. But if you need me, I would love to see if we can work out a part time. And they surprisingly said yes. I think we were, we're honest, right? Like we're honest with to, to our employers and about our circumstances and what we want and what we want. Like people are more often going to be like, okay, and like try to work with you. And that's really what happened. So for the first two years, I was full time, and then for two years after that, I was part time. So I worked twenty hours, even thirty hours at times, and I was able to like, okay, I have. I can focus my time around Viva like way more, but I still have that part-time income that I can rely on if anything happens. And plus, again, we're investing everything back to Viva into brand formulations, our interns, our graphic designer, right? Like Joanna and I always put everything else above our own, which is not the best thing to do, but that's what you have to do when we're bootstrapped, underfunded underserved founders like that's the reality so then after two years of full-time two years of very part-time work that's when I was like okay the business is making more money like I can get a salary where I have a livable wage and I can go full-time in Viva and if I invest more time in Viva that can help it grow faster and we can move the ball forward at a faster pace and that's when I felt like in my gut I was like I think it's time and that was like right before like the pandemic I'm really like 2020 since like 2021 to now it's been like full-time Viva. So it's been three years. So yeah, it's like seven years. So yeah, so it's just been like one step at a time. And I think again, like first-gen founders that don't have resources to start with like a million dollar from the start, like we have to find ways in our own paths to make it work. And that's okay too. There's no shame in like working your job, your nine to five, as long as you need to, to feel secure because sometimes your parents and family depends on us to like for us to be well and for them to be well. So we have a different set of priorities and responsibilities as first gen kids sometimes or kids of immigrants. And that's real. And like, you got to put that first forward and then make the decisions around that. So full-time, part-time, and then I made the jump. So poquito a poquito, like you don't have to jump immediately, right? You like, really don't, y'all. You do not need to be jumping out of the plane, okay? Like these freaking TikTokers that are telling you like, go quit your job and like then figure that shit out. No, they're talking from a place of privilege, okay? We cannot afford to be doing shit like that. And we do not need to. I always tell people, your paycheck is your angel investor. Like that is where the money to start your business should be coming from versus like taking out loans for what? Okay, go get yourself some grants, start a savings account, the same way that you would start a savings account to go and save for a trip to Cabo, like save for your business, do the thing. I want to know, because for me, there was a, like a couple of milestones in my head that I needed in order to feel secure to make that transition. First, 
I needed to be like out of student loan debt. It was just one of those things I could not think about. I needed to be credit card debt free. And I wanted to basically like pretend that I was paying myself through my business. So I started ignoring my paycheck, putting it aside and paying myself through the business. And I did that for six months. And I was like, if I could do this for six months, then I have created a sustainable business because now at this point, like my paycheck doesn't even matter. And then obviously thinking about things like health insurance and retirement and like, what am I going to do for that stuff? Was there any like milestone from you for like, maybe like an income perspective? What did you take into account as like, these things have to be accounted for before I can take this leap? I think it was like our launches producing enough revenue to sustain our future launches and also pay our staff first and then also pay me. That's literally like, okay, can we sustain the growth? Can we make new things? Because it takes thousands of dollars to make new products. So that was first, right? Because that's the future and how it's going to sustain us moving forward. Second, all right, can we pay our staff now, the ones that we have now? And is that going to be possible for the next six months to the year is what we looked at? And then it's like, okay, what is my monthly salary where I can cover my bills? And I have, you know, a little bit of spending money. What does that look like? And to be honest, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get paid so well. No, it was like, are my basic needs met? Am I good? Can I afford my eyebrow waxing for the month and lots of lattes? Like what is important to me? Like what does that budget look like personally? And it was making that and be like, okay, this is what it looks like for the yearly. And that's what I need. And like, does that fit in our expenses and our revenue and like the profit and loss statements and all that fun stuff that Joanna looks at and informs me about? You're lucky to have a friend who's like the tax queen. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, that she's my co-founder. So, you know, looking all that data, John is like, okay, I think we can do it. I'm like, okay. And she's like, I think you should like make the leap. And to be honest, like it's still me getting paid through Viva that well, got paid through Viva first before Joanna, because right, it's like, we can't both afford it right now at this moment in time for the company. But like, the, Leslie deals with like the day to day. So it made sense for me to like take the leap first before both of us did. So it's also understanding like our priorities and who's doing what and what we can realistically do and account for our finances from six to nine months out. Yeah. Let's talk about dividing those responsibilities. I'm always curious about like co-founder situations. Like how do y'all have conversations around, you know, who's responsible for what? Do you have job descriptions? Like how do those conversations go? So I feel like Joanna and I are very involved in everything. But for the most part, though, when we started Vivit, like we started out with an agreement, right? Like so Joanna and I met through our husbands and we developed a friendship there. Joanna and I are not best friends from the fifth grade or like we're not family or anything, right? So I think we started a friendship that was later in years. So we were professional about it. So we're like, okay, if we're going to do this thing together, like we didn't know each other that well, we were friends, but not like best friends. So we're like, okay, I think for both of our safety, let's start out with an agreement. Like what are the things John is good at? What does she enjoy doing? And what are the things that I know how to do or have more skills in? And what do I like doing? And that's how we really set up. It's called a partnership agreement. It's a legal document where we say, Joanna does X, Y, and Z. Leslie does X, Y, and Z. This is how the company is divided based on X, Y, and Z, and this is how it will operate. So obviously that document can change and flow as the years go by. We haven't really changed it to be, you know, now that I think about it, which I, our role hasn't really changed. Joanna is very much in charge of finances and more of the operational side. And I'm more on the creative and marketing and advertising side. So it's still very much kept still in the same lanes as we started but joanna and i are very involved in like product development right like we're both testing out formulas we're like thinking about 
the campaigns and the packaging. So there's still very much things that we overlap in, but still we have some ownership and like, okay, I know I need to talk to a graphic designer on the new email campaign that needs to happen. Joanna is like setting up and paying our sales tax and doing all that good stuff. We have like our own things, but in the things that we both love, which is products and making them and creating the campaigns, we're very much both involved. But partnership agreements are great. And I think a standard of like, I honor her time and she respects my time. And that needs to be put on pen and paper. And like, that's a great foundation to start out with, right? When you're working with other people in general. Yes, absolutely, y'all. Like you need to define relationships and just have people be like, able to hold themselves accountable to whatever it is that you want them to be accountable to, but that has to be written out. So I love that. My next question is, how do you navigate difficulties in the business, right? Like, tell us about a time where you were just like, I don't even know if I want to do this shit anymore, because we all have those moments as entrepreneurs. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> to does. be real, you know, like, yeah, like, I feel like it happens all the time where it's been like, oh, my God. And to be honest, it's more, it's always been really about like, okay, like, do we have enough for our new launch? Or even like, you know, last year... And I'm going to be really transparent. We launched a brow pencil and it didn't do as well as we thought it was going to do. So we're like, what happened? So we invested all this time and money and resources to make a product that wasn't as excited. Our community wasn't as excited as, as excited as we were. So like, that was really like disheartening, but like, all of those little things. And to be honest, like I even reached out, like I reached out, like I was like, something is happening here. Like I'm going to put this email out and send it out to our email subscribers. And I was completely honest and transparent. I was like, Hey, we launched this brow pencil. Like we didn't receive the excitement we, we were going to get. So what happened? And, we, and I literally got a hundred email responses back and answers varied of like, Hey, I just don't have like people are trying to budget right now and like decide if they want to buy milk or lipstick. And that's real. Like that's, it's real. And other people said, I don't really know how to use a brow product. I would love to learn more. Other people said, Hey, I just bought a brow product. I'm going to finish this one and then I'm going to buy yours. So like that was so insightful. And I was like, okay, like it felt sad and like, what's the purpose like a community didn't respond well back to it but in hindsight that allowed us to get new perspective of like what people actually need and like what people are going through so I think like in all like when things are tough and like things don't go as planned which is really disheartening especially as a very bootstrap brand where our launches have to be very calculated because we only have so much to invest in new product like that was disheartening, but hearing from a community of what they need and how we can serve them better is always what's going to keep me moving forward. So mm -hmm. that's real. You know, not every decision that you're going to make in business is going to be the blockbuster success that you think it is, but there's always lessons to be taken away from there. And I'm glad that you guys didn't like shy away and be like, oh, well, we're just going to pretend this never happened and not ask anybody like what's going on because that insight, right? Like one of the things that came into my head when you got the response around, like, I don't know how to use an eyebrow product. Okay, well, let's start doing some tutorial videos on social media with this product to get people all hyped up and be like, oh shit, this is not as hard as I thought it was. Maybe I'm going to try it, right? Because how many times have you bought a beauty product because you saw an influencer use it and you're just like, oh my God, I need this in my life. I didn't even realize like I could do that. So it's just having that insight is going to help you figure out whether you're going to keep trying at this product, whether you just need to change your marketing tactics or if it's going to be a lesson learned. Yeah, no. And I think that's, and that's the thing. I think it's always the times where we felt the lowest of like, oh my God, things are not working or this happened is really where we learn the most 
and like really flip it on its head and be like, what is this woman teaching me? And why am I feeling this way? Or why did this happen? And like, how do we move forward and like a different mindset and use it to our advantage? Absolutely. There's always a lesson y'all, even in the L's. Even more in the L's. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So you mentioned that you've been at this for seven years. Do you have venture capital investments at this point? We don't know. This is completely 100% funded by Joanna and I and loans. Actually, through the years, we've been able to get more funding. Obviously, our revenue has grown, so we've showed growth and progression. So we've been able to get additional funding beyond our 10K initial initial. So that's how we've been able to like sustain the brand through Small Business Administration loans specifically, right? SBA, they're all government-funded loans that we've been able to grow with. So that's how we've been able to move forward. But, you know, to be real, again, this is extremely hard. And the brands, beauty brands require a lot of investment. And it's really hard to, like, really move the needle forward in a fast way when you don't have the capital. So right now, it's we're just 100% on we have not gotten any any investments quite yet. Is there any vision in the future to do that or like to license out your product to a big conglomerate? What's the vision? Like I would love to have our products at a, a retailer like so we people can see the colors. Because these are all just themselves. available online still, right? They're all, yes, they're all available online. Um, and so that I would love to have even more available nationwide, specifically where I know Latinas are. Yeah, we need y'all um, in Florida, Ulta, we need Chicago. y'all in yes. like Walgreens, we need y'all everywhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Latinas are shopping everywhere, right? So that's really exciting. So that's really where we hope to see the future of Vive expand and, and also and just to other products as well. Like I, we've been very heavy on lip, like we're known for our lipsticks, which makes sense. That's how we launched. But what would it look like to have awesome, amazing long-lasting eye products or complexion, things like that. So we're definitely thinking bigger and more places. Hopefully people can see you that. I love it. Let's talk about the name. What's the inspiration for the name? Okay, so the name, yeah, I know, Vive. So really came from like thinking about like, okay, how are we going to speak to Latinas? Like what's the name that is easy to say or to remember? And one of the things that came down to was like Vive, which means to live, right? And like we're trying to promote us just living our culture. Our culture is part of us. Like it's not separate. It's not like I can take myself out of like, I'm not Latina anymore. Like that is who we are and that's how we live our life. And like, we shouldn't be ashamed also about who we are. So that's really how like this word of like to live was like captured in that, in, in our minds at least of like, yeah, like to live to the fullest, to live proud to live being authentically to ourselves right and like what is that message there and like vive it's just like i feel like a very like latina latino hispanic community forward like it's always like viva something or like vive something you know like it's very exact like it's very in line we're like okay i think this can work but beyond that that meaning is really important of like we want people to like show up to be fully themselves at all times and if this lipstick is helping latinas and mujeres do that then like that's what we're here to do. Mm, I love it. Such a powerful message. And I think what y'all represent in our community is so powerful. So I'd love for you to leave us with maybe your biggest tip or your biggest lesson that you would want to share with aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to this and are just like, damn, yo, like, I know I want to do something, but I'm scared. Like, what do you have to say to them? You know what? I think if I, and this is me like trying to give myself advice when we first started, like, 
I feel like I wish we would have had more confidence in ourselves and just being more aggressive, just being like, we got this, like, we know this community and like just putting ourselves even more out there and like really, really apologetic about what we're about. I feel like I wish we would have done that more in the early days. And like, that's really how you sell the vision, right? Like entrepreneurs that are successful are confident in themselves, what they're selling, and they communicate that clearly. And I think that's a skill that Joanne and I have grown into more. That's not how we started. And I wish we would have done more of that through like therapy or like other means of like developing our self-worth to really communicate like this is amazing, awesome brand. And I think the first step into like taking that leap is like literally believing yourself and be like, I got this. I have the confidence in me and in my skills that I'm going to make it happen. And I hope people take that with them when they're like in doubt. Doubt holds us back in many ways. And I wish that I had less doubt at the early days. I have less doubt now. I'm still working on it. But I really wish I told Leslie to be like, Go, Leslie, go. You got this and believe in yourself even more than when I I thought I did. That's so real. And I think a lot of that lack of self-confidence and doubt that we feel as a community comes from the fact that we still don't have a ton of examples of people who are doing the things that maybe we aspire to, right? Like it's very common for us to see ourselves like as musicians or like as maybe actresses or something, but like Where's the entrepreneurs of the world? Who is the ones creating the next big companies? And so I I applaud you for showing up, for sharing your story, for doing something that nobody gave you permission to do. You just decided to create your own lane and do it unapologetically and serve our community in such an authentic way. You are hella inspirational. And I just can't wait to continue to watch Viva Cosmetics continue to grow. Y'all, please support because we need so many more Latina entrepreneurs, like in these spaces that have been dominated by folks that don't look like us. Okay. We have to be the change that we wish to see. Definitely dominated by a lot of white men selling beauty products to women that men that don't use beauty products. Yes. But anyway, that's a whole other tangent. <laughs> is- yes. Thank you so much, Janice. Yeah. For inviting me in. Yeah. Yeah. We're on this together. And I think when we collectively come together, we can go really, really far. Absolutely. And if you want your Viva Cosmetic products, make sure to head over to vivacosmetics.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.